okay welcome back to another episode of digital discussions unfiltered today i'm joined by the lovely therese who let me tell you if you were to spend five minutes on her website you would just fall in love with her she, i i mean this is probably the first in person as in over over a laptop uh conversation that i'm actually having with her and i already love her there are some big names on her website that she's previously worked with. She identifies as an introvert, which preach, don't we all? Um, and it was just the kind of the tone of voice used on the website in terms of finding a way to sell that works for you and being okay about it. So I am so, so excited to have this conversation because to me, Therese is the lady in the know when it comes to wholesale for product-based businesses. And I know that I have a lot of people listening who are thinking about it, don't know where to start, haven't got a fucking clue. So hopefully, Teresa's going to help us all out. And to make things even better, I literally have no idea about anything about to do with wholesale. So hopefully, I can play, I'd like to call it devil's advocate, but I can play the idiot for you, ask all the right questions, and Teresa can help us out. So without further ado, hello, Teresa, how are you? Hello, I love that intro. That was so nice. It always makes me feel like a bit like, you know, is that me? It's <laughs> <laughs> talking about you. Um, but it was very lovely. So thank you very much. You're so welcome. Honestly, I think just reading it, reading it through your website, I was like, oh my goodness, this is my kind of girl. Like we would be pals. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> So with every guest that I have on the podcast, even though I started a new season, even though I'm attempting to not edit these podcasts in any way, shape or form, the one thing I didn't want to lose is your introduction. So for anybody that doesn't know, hasn't listened to a podcast episode before, with every guest that I have on, we all, as a human nature, have a tendency to introduce ourselves as what we do for a living. And we're more than that. We're all more than that. We are all human beings will have interests and hobbies and things that actually make us up as a human being. So I like to challenge my guests to introduce themselves in 30 seconds or less as a human being, not as a business owner. And if they go over the 30 seconds, all I ask is that they make a small donation to the charity Mind. Therese, do you think that you can do it in 30 seconds or less? I don't think I can. I have, fully, <laughs> I have fully come on here expecting to end up going over because I've done this before and I went over. I, you know, it's so difficult to do. So, but I would happily support mine. Amazing. Good news. Right. I've got my stopwatch ready. So I'll count you in. Ready? Yeah. Three, two, one, go. So I'm Therese, I uh, am adopted from Korea and I grew up in Sweden, which um, not everyone guessed that I'm from Sweden. As And as Lorna said, I'm an introvert, um, even though I can actually come across quite extroverted quite sometimes, depending on what I'm talking about. But I am an introvert and it is, you know, when I do something like with lots of people around me, it it. I feed off it, but also I need to sit quietly in the room afterwards and hide away. <laughs> uh, I'm sure a lot of people identify like that too. Um, I live in a tiny village in Bedfordshire with my husband and my dog. Uh, my husband is Danish, but we met over here. So we ended up, you know, making our life here. Um, 
I love small businesses and shopping small and in general have a lot of passion for the retail industry. I just love hearing all the beautiful stories of why people start businesses and cheering them on. And that's about it for me, I think. Amazing. I mean, I think we could agree you went over. You did it in (laughs) one minute and 12. That's not far (laughs) from mine, you know. And I kept seeing the time on the recorder and I was like, I'm not so failing. (laughs) (laughs) But it's fine because it's for a good cause and we get to know you. So it's always a plus. Yeah. (laughs) That's incredible. Yeah, I grew up there. Um, I haven't been home for ages because of COVID. Um, Because my grandma is over 100 now and, you know. Wow. Yeah, so but I do think that I will go soon. It's just that my parents are a bit worried about it, you know, yeah. our rates being high and that sort of thing. Yeah, the dreaded C word. And I didn't know you lived in Bedfordshire. I think you're probably just around the corner from me. Oh, where are you? I'm on the outskirts of Cambridgeshire. Oh, no, really? <laughs> <laughs> we are probably quite close to get, like, because I'm not that far from the border. So, yeah. yeah. Amazing. Yeah. We'll have to actually meet up in person. <laughs> yes, <laughs> no, I'd love that. We moved here right before the first lockdown. I, like, literally know, like, two people out here. <laughs> That's always the way, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Well, amazing. So it's so lovely to actually get to know you as a person. But for anybody that's listening, what do you do for a living? What's your business? So my business is called Small Business Collaborative. Very long to say. (laughs) Did not know about like, you know, having benefits of having a shorter social media handle when you start a business uh, when I started. But um, I have a background in sales and I now get to help lovely business owners start and grow their wholesale through one-to-one mentoring and courses and I share like lots of free advice on you know Instagram mainly um Facebook and on my blog and stuff too and uh, yeah I've been doing this for about a little over three years now amazing and what what kind of got you into it so you've got a background in sales obviously I mentioned you've got some really big names on your website John Lewis Liberty Selfridges you know we've all heard of those names so yeah is that is that kind of your background Yes, I used to sell. I started out. I I don't. I'm kind of the belief that no one really goes into sales thinking that I'm going to go into sales. That's yeah. going to be my career. <laughs> so I studied fashion and textile design. Came to London and thought I'm going to study at Rada. I'm going to switch to be co- a costume designer. And then um, I decided I didn't want to do that, so I had to get a proper job. And then I kind <laughs> of fell unquote, into the industry. proper job. <laughs> yeah. Instead of, you know, uh, not knowing what to do with my life. So I fell into a sales role and I really loved it. It was in a gifting company and I kind of started this in maternity cover. But what was great was it was small, big enough for there to be lots of products to sell and really kind of jump in. But it was small enough for me to like be able to take on lots of things. Um, I was known as the person that asked too many questions. <laughs> you preach into but... the choir. I do exactly the same. How do you learn otherwise? You've got to, you've got to ask all the stupid questions, yeah. haven't you? 
Yeah, and I was also like impatient, you know, like if I didn't have anything to do, I'd go and ask other people if I could do like stuff for them. Um, but I, le- I learned quickly and I was selling to, I mean, because it was a maternity cover, I was actually maternity covering for like an account manager, but I was, my title was a sales admin. I already looked after um, like customers from like the beginning. So I looked after John Lewis and Liberties from like day dot, which was quite fun. I mean, they weren't the biggest accounts we had back then. So, you know, even though they were big names, it wasn't like I was selling worth a million to them or anything like that. But I also assisted on key accounts. I worked with, you know, Accessorize and Topshop and all the big guys too. And I stayed there for quite a while. And um, that's how I kind of got started in the industry. And I realized how lovely it is. And it's a fun industry to be in. And people are really supportive. And I loved it. Um, But then I guess as life goes on, you kind of think I'm working all the time for someone else selling like mass produced things that ends up in landfill. (laughs) You know, like you get like, a bit question things a bit and I thought it would be so lovely to work for myself but I didn't have that like I didn't know I knew I wanted to help other people start and grow their wholesale because I met so many brilliant businesses at trade shows and stuff that just paid all that money to be there but would never be able to grow with like the experience they had they needed a little bit of help with their pricing and stuff to be able to appeal to um buyers and I thought there's something there and then I was made redundant and I thought oh I better do it now (laughs) because before that I wasn't you know I thought about it already before I'd started that job but I never done any research which was probably a good thing um because otherwise I probably wouldn't have started would have talked yourself out of it yeah (laughs) yeah there's so many people doing similar things and I would have been like no there's no way I can stand out like why would they pick me yeah. uh <laughs> you know um because people were so confident online you know I like my first story I did talking to stories were like 55 takes like I didn't <laughs> I did not take selfies before I started my business and now look at you yeah just all of your story all of your face I love it love it that's amazing and I think it's interesting this is one reason why I love doing this podcast and having incredible guests on because everybody's stories are slightly different but there always seems to be that kind of common factor that something pushed them whether it's redundancy whether it's you know as you say you start questioning things and you kind of think well actually what do I value as a human being so Mm. if you're really passionate about kind of working with products and people that don't go into landfill then you know that that kind of is true to your values isn't it so yeah. That makes so much sense. And just slightly more meaning. I love how like every store business I get to work with now, even if they do novelty sort of fun gifts, like it still has some sort of purpose and value behind it. Um rather than yeah, a big I really kind like of that. corporate machine. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I get that. So in terms of kind of wholesale then, so <laughs> You are going to, I know I warned you before we hit record, but there are going to be some stupid questions. There is no stupid question. Good answer. I like it. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good starting point. (laughs) Because I've kind of, I've always, I've got a 
background in e-com um, marketing. It's always been product-based businesses generally, and even kind of in corporate world. So I went from you know marketing and selling um, baby goods, like push chairs, car seats, cribs, all of yeah. that kind of stuff. Which when you start at sixteen is a bit is a bit weird when you're selling, <laughs> yeah, selling, selling baby products as a sixteen-year-old. <laughs> it's a bit strange. Um, and I remember having such a close relationship with some of our buyers, and I used to get to sit in and sit in and observe these meetings that we were having between buyers and um and kind of the suppliers and it fascinated me but it just went straight over my head and I think it's almost like in my mind is there like a misconception that you have to be a certain size of business before you even consider wholesale do you think yeah I think there's a big misconception conception about (laughs) it I think that you know, I don't know if we do this to ourselves more than that it's because we think that's what other business owners does. Because I think it's almost like if we think that, then we don't have to do it. And yeah. we don't have to put ourselves out there. Because when, you know, it, you know, a lot of people say they're not big enough. But when you hear them talk to their other small business friends, and if they say they want to do it, they go like, yeah, go for it. <laughs> But but for some reason, people hold back because it is uncomfortable to maybe start something brand new. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I guess it is a comfort zone thing. But, you know, is is there is it a case that you have to be at a certain point before you go wholesale? No, I don't think so. I think you can start right from like day dot. You know, I work with clients that started working with me before they even had that product because they wanted to make sure that their pricing can take um, selling to shops right from the beginning even if they decide not to do it from day one at least their pricing can do it and their products will stand out on the shelf and they knew they wanted to make that decision already before they you know when they were developing their products so I don't think there's a too early time to start thinking about wholesale and putting things in place. I also don't think that you have to have loads of products or be like of a certain size or a certain experience. But I do think that you need to be really clear on your pricing before you get started, before you approach buyers or agree to be stocked in a shop. You need to meet, know your numbers. Yeah, and, and if that's, that's not your point. thing, then I think there's nothing else that you like, more important that you can invest in help in, mm. because it so much of our confidence is tied up in our pricing, and there can be like a real stumbling block there if you think I could not possibly charge that, but to make money on wholesale, you have to be able to charge that, so you have to kind of get to that point (laughs) yeah god yeah that's such a valid point as well because I think of the kind of the smaller groups of product-based businesses that I've worked with if that's kind of made sense in my brain for them and I'd kind of say you know think about wholesale it's almost like the comeback is always it's always a shock of how much of their their margins that they have to give away and that kind of thing Mm. so I think you're absolutely right in that it actually makes more sense to think about it at the beginning which yeah. I know that's an ideal world and that's that's not how we live. Like most of us are winging it and making shit up as yeah. we go along. So it, it, 
for sure and it can be sorted later but you know from a marketing perspective too right if you are clear on your price point and where you sit in the marketplace from the beginning whether you go after all those different you know sales avenues or not like it is nice to create one customer if you are one person a one person team it's very hard to market to more than one type of customer say you know i think it's nice if they get used to your price points from day one you know confidence sell too so if you have confidence in your pricing so would you would you say that that's probably the most common factor that you see if if a small business comes to you and says like i want to get my dream is to be stocked by john lewis but uh the product currently costs me five pound to make and i sell it for six pound fifty and you go Mm. haha good luck what is that kind of the most common <laughs> in a nicer way? <laughs> yeah. yeah <laughs> um. Yeah, it is a big stumbling block. I think. Um. I think that when we start our businesses, we think I have to be affordable because maybe I, you know, maybe when we start our businesses, we're not that flush. Yeah. We probably have had to take a pay drop of some sort to start our businesses. So we want to make it affordable for people like us. Yeah. So we lower our prices to whatever, you know, but we're not, maybe our former selves were our ideal customers, but our current selves, having taken a pay drop to start our businesses, are not our customers. Um. So I think, and people also thinking, you know, but I just handmade this, you know, no one's going to value that, but like they do. And, you know, you should be charging what you're worth, I suppose. Yeah. And I think a lot of conversations always come back to that, which is interesting, but also quite soul destroying, I think, because I guess you like me, we, we see so many incredible businesses that are just undervaluing themselves could be doing so much better and it's just it's kind of heartbreaking isn't it yeah like knowing that they if they were just charging what they you know what the industry standard is even for like their type of quality and their product instead of trying to compete with the mass-produced things that are made perhaps abroad they could pay themselves. Yeah. Like, you it's know. so simple when you, it sounds silly to say it out loud, doesn't it? But actually it's so true. The amount of people that are probably working their art off, making, you know, let, let's pick something as a kind of a case study that we talk about. Um, I don't know, jewelry, earrings. Somebody's, mm. somebody's sat at home making earrings. They're putting them on Etsy. They're spending more hours than they care to admit trying to promote them on Instagram. They're doing all of the things and yet they're trying to compete with ASOS or New Look or a big retailer that is shipping them in from China, essentially. Yeah, and, you know, where a lot of the things are automated. Mm -hmm. I I mean, essentially, all clothes are handmade to a certain degree, right? For example, not all jewellery, but a lot of jewelries have handmade elements to them. But, you know, you still can't compare yourself, like, to something that is made in a factory and something that you made with your two hands (laughs) yeah at your dining room table when your kids were running around screaming and shouting you can't there is no comparison yeah and even if you have it manufactured you know a lot of the people I work with and probably you as well like you know they consider things 
that you know they make choices based of their values not based on what it costs them so you know maybe some big retailer they will be like no we have to scrap that one button because that's going to cost us x many p more whereas a small business owner go no i'm going to upgrade that button because actually then it's going to be plastic free it's going to have been made by someone that cares and like you know and it's going to be a pound more expensive but that's okay and and yeah, and that's the thing, isn't it? We care so much deeply, like more deeply, because it's almost a reflection of us, maybe, sometimes. Yeah, yeah I think we start our businesses because we want to have a product. We want something that doesn't exist. Yeah. And so in terms of kind of kind of taking it a step back again, maybe, in, in that what are the most common things that you see, I guess... In a way, you could probably be called more of a confidence kind of mentor than anything else because that fundamental, like that's probably what it comes down to, isn't it? It's it's giving people the confidence to be able to do all of these other things that they're not currently aware of in order to get the thing that they want. Yeah, a lot of it has tied up in confidence, I think, you know, from how you distribute your time as a creative, you know, selling is... The most of the people I work with are not confident in selling when they come, when we start working together. So the thing that, you know, they put move down their to-do list is selling. Yeah. For example. But actually without selling, we don't have a business. So we have to find a figure out a way where we can put that as a priority. Um, and that often comes down to confidence and possibly a little bit of organization much more so than the actual skill of selling because I actually I believe like you're the best person to sell your business and your products no one else will be as passionate about it people want to see that passion you just have to figure out a way that you are comfortable enough to share that is there any I obviously I know you do this as a business so (laughs) feel free to tell me to fuck off but is there any kind of tips tricks techniques that you could share with us right now because I think regardless of actually service-based or product-based I think there is almost like this again probably a misconception that selling is sleazy I think a lot of us relate selling to the car salesman that forces the sale down our throat and that doesn't have to be the case but I mean, also, it doesn't happen anymore. Like, no. <laughs> it's a movie thing, I think. Oh, uh, yeah, that would make sense. Like, I think that sleazy salesperson. Okay, we have all probably had some salespeople that have been more pushy than others. Yeah. But it does, in real life, I've been thinking about this a lot over the last year. Like, in real life, I don't meet many people that are very salesy. Do you? No, I don't actually. Now you've said it, it's it's interesting because I do a lot of work with psychology. So now that you've said like it's a movie thing, that makes a lot of sense. I think like the last time I went into a a couple of days ago or a couple of weeks ago, um, walked into a clothes shop and a lady walked up to me and said, "Hi, how are you? Like, how's your day? Do, do you need any help?" And I was like, "No, no, no, I'm good, thanks." And she left. You yeah. know, she didn't she didn't kind of go, "Oh, that dress would be amazing on you. Like, go buy it." It it wasn't yeah. buy the thing. It wasn't pushy. It wasn't horrible. And I bet you if she saw you starting to look around for a changing room with something in your hand, she would be there, right there helping you again. Yeah. And it would, if it would feel like a nice thing yeah. instead of her trying to like 
get you into that direction. <laughs> Zipping but it up. You, you, like, you know, you wouldn't feel sleazy. I think it's a bit of a movie, like, it's like we make up the worst figure in our head and we, we have this thing about that that person cannot possibly be a good person. But even if you have a tougher sales job, like advertisement sales or recruitment or estate agent or car salesman, you you're still like they're still people like you know still human beings yeah it's so yeah true. and they're not it's not that many people that are that like that so I don't know who we're taking after and who we're trying not to be we're trying not to be this person we made up in our mind that is a horrible person maybe because that's more comfortable than putting ourselves out there um, I think that the most important thing that you can do is to reframe how you feel about selling. And this goes for all aspects of your business, right? Selling is not about pushing something down someone's throat. It's about saying, hello, I'm here. I can help you with this. Or I have this thing that you will love. It's not about like you have to buy this sort of mentality, right? So it's really just helping people discover you, helping people, like for me, it's like helping people realize that they don't have to do something by themselves, for example, that it doesn't have to be such a challenge because it can be broken down into steps and, you know, that are less scary Um but I think so you've I, raised a really yeah. key key point about reframing that kind of pushy sales to the word help. I think there's a metaphor that I heard and I can't for the life of me remember where I heard it. Um, and it was the fact that if you were to see somebody drowning in the middle of a lake, would you try and sell them the boy that you want to throw out to help them survive? Or would you just throw it? And in terms of that in terms of sales you kind of you have to see it as you're just trying to help solve a problem for someone regardless of whether Mm. you sell a 300 pound scarf or a 10 pound pair of earrings you know you have to consider why that other but why that end user would want that thing and what that Mm. kind of does for them yeah like both those items can make the wearer feel like confident pretty beautiful like you know warm whatever it is yeah and you know it serves the purpose for that person and you know they want to know about it i mean i don't know about you but i quite like getting tailored advertisements to my on my like instagram for example because like maybe i do want that thing yeah (laughs) but I wouldn't know I wanted that thing unless someone showed it to me unless yeah unless somebody told you about it you don't you don't know it exists so yeah it just it just makes you kind of sit and wonder and I think I'm probably going to sit on this all day now as to why we paint this horrible picture in our brains as to selling as a bad thing yeah I, I don't know I would love to know this from like Actually, I should talk to like a psychologist or something about this. But I do think it's very fascinating that we make up this um, bad person that we don't want to be. And also we catastrophize a lot of things like, you know, but um, yeah, but the buyer could ignore me or that person can feel a certain way. But you haven't actually given them a chance to feel anything if you don't tell them about you they could also feel like oh 
my customers will love this so much and that's going to make, you know, the best Christmas presents for them and, you know, going to bring me a lot of my revenue this year. I, yeah. I think every day, in terms of sales, not just for wholesale, but I think I always say, you know, you should do something for your sales every day. I don't always live by my what I <laughs> preach. <laughs> I sound like a saint when I talk about these, but like I obviously don't always do it. But um, I think you should do something for yourselves every day. That's so true. That's so lovely as well. I don't think I do either, but I completely agree with you on not taking your own advice. I think we all, we're all good at that. Um, <laughs> all of us, completely. But you're right. Like we always think the worst case scenario. I'm absolutely a stickler for it. I always think worst case scenario, and it's about taking the time to kind of stop and say but actually what would be the best case scenario and then yeah my favorite phrase just chuck it in the fuck it bucket and go for it because you, you <laughs> yeah. don't like i love that what's the worst that they can they can just say no yeah cool so you and move on if to the they say one. no they probably just going to say it in a really lovely way yeah like it's not like they or they might not respond if they feel uncomfortable with saying no yeah and also knowing that a non-response from a retail buyer or you know if someone doesn't feel comfortable you know it's it says more about them like either they didn't have time or they don't like saying no because who d- likes disappointing people yeah 100 percent. so in terms of i feel like i've detoured a little bit but in terms of wholesale <laughs> could you is there a simplified way to explain if somebody's listening to this and says, okay, she's convinced me wholesale is the way for, for me. Um, and you know, touch wood, I'd like to think that they're going to come knocking on your door to work with you anyway, but how would somebody kind of start that process? What does the process look like in terms of going from a small one man band who sits at their dining room table, making their products, who wants to get into big name? So I think like, in a nutshell, I'm gonna to try to do this. <laughs> Simplified, <thing>. yeah. <laughs> but like, um, I think number one is to make sure that your product is retail ready. So, you know, making sure which you probably have done already, but you know that it meets all the legal requirements in the territories that you want to sell to. So, whether you need like warning labels, whatever it might be on your product, that is your responsibility. And you know, every little shop they won't know like you know oh but that candle is mislabeled that is something you have to do um know make sure that you know that you can produce in a slightly higher quality quantity at a consistent quality so like i'm not talking about like thousands but you know you can go after small shops you can go after a couple at a time and then like but it, just knowing that you can do produce a little bit more than you are now and if you can produce a lot more, then you can go after bigger retailers. Yeah. And then thinking about how it will sit on the shelf, like, you know, is it packaged the way it needs to be packaged for a retail shop? If you want to be in a brick and mortar sh- store, for example, will it stand? Will it hang? Do you need to, like, put, you know, say you do earrings, do you need to put a hole in your backing card so that it can hang and stand if needed? Yeah. Uh, so little things like that. So getting your products retail ready and then pricing, as I was mentioning, just getting clear on your numbers. Learn what retailers expect. They will expect like between sort of a markup of like 
2 to 2.5 generally. So that means that if your um, retail price is £10, they would, on average, they would expect to pay like £4.16 because they will be paying that even if you're not. So knowing, getting your head around it, I have loads of like free advice on that, so I won't go into detail. But um, knowing you can make your prices work and that you make money and that you factor in your time, like your labor cost of making that product. And then you need some sort of line sheet. And I have a free template on my website in the freebie section. You, you just need to put in your product images that you hopefully already have because you're already selling your stuff online and product descriptions and stuff. And then you just need to start somewhere, right? You need to start contacting retailers. I would say start small. Like, don't go after a big retailer as your first one because they have a lot of rules and they can get complicated. So start small with, like, a local shop that you love and know or something like that and, um, you know, get in touch Amazing. <laughs> Goodness, I think that was so con- concise. That was more concise than your intro, Therese. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Because I'm so much more comfortable talking yeah, about yeah, this. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Introducing myself. <laughs> Aren't we all? Um, it's, it's so funny. It made me smile when you said about the uh, getting your products retail ready. Because I think I saw um, you with Sasha from Cheeky Zebra. And I, yeah. just, I saw her story. She's coming on the podcast next week, actually. I yeah, she did say when we went to Brighton on Monday. <laughs> I cannot wait for that conversation. Um, but I it would saw, be so I, funny. <laughs> I remember seeing her post story saying that one of the big fuck-ups that she made was that she sent stock to a retailer and she hadn't put them in kind of plastic wallets so they weren't retail ready. And it's just... Yeah. Just... And they were all mixed in the box, so they had to spend <laughs> hours sorting them. Like, imagine, like, I don't know how many cards they took, but, like, it was a big retailer. So they probably bought, like, you know, I don't know, 30 designs. So they were all mixed, so they had to go and sort them. Like, this is this one, this is this one. But it's things like that that you don't, uh, you know, I always kind of live by the fact that you don't know what you don't know. So no. until you kind of work with somebody like you who has been there done it which makes a lot of sense and it's going to save you time money energy everything it it just you don't know what you don't know so it's just kind no you of, don't it, but it's also why i say start with the smaller retailer yeah. because actually <laughs> if you did that to and uh, delivering into small retailer they would probably be very nice about it and yeah. explain what you need to do next time like you can sort it out in between the two of you you know or you can pop in and like sort through the things and put them on the shelf if need be like yeah yeah I I think Sasha did that very much like just go for it which is so brave so ballsy I love it yeah love it so brave (laughs) amazing well I could probably chew your ear off all day every day for for eternity (laughs) about I just find it fascinating because it's not an area that I've ever experienced I think you know I've kind of got experience in the whole pricing thing and so I understand margins and markups and all of that kind of stuff but I think you are next level but I think you've probably given everybody me included enough to think about so thank you so much for coming and sharing your wisdom if anybody's listened to this and has 
rightly so completely fallen in love with you and would like to work with you or find your free resources or anything like that where can people find you find out about your services follow you like how can they get in touch so i my website there's like the freebies bits and blog where you can read there's lots of stuff there uh it's smallbusinesscollaborative.co.uk and I do spend way too much time on Instagram. Everyone probably says this, <laughs> right? All, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, you know, this is where it comes into having the long business name. It's small underscore business underscore collaborative. I did not think that through when I first <laughs> did it. Uh, and when I did my rebrand, the ticket reader that did my rebrand, they were like, oh, do you want to sh- shorten it? and I was like but no I kind of like I'm attached to it (laughs) so it's staying um and then I have a podcast which funnily enough is where you know we talk about Sasha that is going to be a guest um this season she's like my only guest and we're talking about like her steps of you know you know basically being burned up wholesale and then like starting over again so we're talking about the steps that she's taken so you know if you want to find out more about you know wholesale then that could be a fun thing i put it on youtube this time too amazing um but yeah everything is on my website though amazing and as always i will pop all of the links so you can get straight to them in the show notes um to Teresa's website her freebies socials the whole shebang but um yeah thank you so much Teresa. honestly it's been an absolute joy talking to you thank you I loved it I love being a guest on a podcast versus me like you know <laughs> it's weird when you do, wait yeah it's weird when it's the other way around isn't it yeah <laughs> but it feels so nice it's yeah. fun yeah agree. Right, I will leave you to the rest of your day. Thank you so much for your time, sharing your wisdom and anybody that's even on the fence about wholesale, I will be pushing them in your direction because you are the lady in the know. Thank you so much, Therese. I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. No problem. See you later. Bye. Bye.